This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And I was doing a little bit of research before we get into Pittsburgh Penguins, because we'll talk about them clinching the playoffs, as I said they would on Thursday's episode. So we got to start there. We'll talk about them clinching the playoffs. We'll talk about the game against the Boston Bruins. We'll talk about Tristan Jari's injury and everything else. Pittsburgh Penguins here with this layoff for the team, which is pretty good for them heading into the last five games of the season. But before we get into all that, Horwat, I have a trivia question for you. Okay, I'm ready for this. Doing some research for the Hockey Hotbed, another podcast that I do, full NHL slate, that's what I cover over there. Doing some research for that. Found a nice trivia question here. Because right now the Colorado Avalanche and the Florida Panthers are head and shoulders better above everybody else this regular season. The Panthers are 19-2-1 since the beginning of March. <laughs> They're both obviously the top seeds in the East and the West. When is the last time, Horwat, that the top seed in each conference met up in the Stanley Cup Finals? I'm... See, that's difficult. It I is. Know... Okay, so I know in... I know it hasn't been recently. No. It has not been recently, but I know that one of the Blackhawks years, they were also President's Trophy champions. So... I'm going to go with the, just going to go with that one. The lockout shortened season. I'm pretty sure it was 13-14 for the Blackhawks. 12-13. Blackhawks, and I forget who they played, but that one. They played the Boston Bruins, who defeated the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Penguins, however, had home ice advantage because they were the Ah. top seed in the Eastern Conference. Way to bring that around. I like that. But the last time the two top seeds faced off was the year 2001. It was the Colorado Avalanche... And the New Jersey Devils, the Broder, Niedermeyer, Stevens, New Jersey Devils. That was the last time the two top seeds faced off in the Stanley Cup final. So if you want to see where I go with that information, tune in on Tuesday's episode of the Hockey Hotbed. But let's get to the Pittsburgh Penguins here. Because on Thursday, they defeated the New York Islanders. We won't get into that game really all that much other than the fact that the biggest news out of that was Tristan Jari's injury. We'll talk about that in the second segment. But the Penguins clinched the playoffs. 16th straight playoff appearance, and that's dating back to the 2005-2006 season. I have a couple things and stats here, some things in the world. First of all, we were nine years old in Horwat. Yes. We were nine. Tom Brady had only won three Super Bowls and had only played in three Super Bowls. He's played in seven since. The Penguins have only finished in the bottom seed once in that stretch. And that was in the 2014-15 season. Not a great year. That's the Mike Johnston Penguins. Uh, Yeah, that was last game in that we needed Buffalo. Exactly. The only time that they have finished in dead last in the playoff race. So it's been relatively solid. A lot of them were second seeds. Yeah. Second seeds, first seeds. Not very many three seeds. Not very many four seeds in this run. So a really dominant run. And in that stretch, of course, in the playoffs, the Pittsburgh Penguins, a record of 100 wins on the dot. And 83 losses. And then in their record in series was is 20 and 12. Five Eastern Conference Finals berths. Four and one record in those. The only loss, of course, being the 2013 Bruins, as we mentioned. 
and three Stanley Cup championships in four appearances. That's a a, a success rate of 25% of the time that they were been in the playoffs, they have made it and won the Stanley Cup. Or sorry, made it to the Stanley Cup now. That is, the 16 straight years is one thing that the Penguins can hold over uh, a team like the Chicago Blackhawks. And these, because at, the NHL hit this weird era where it was only three teams, it seemed, three or four teams winning the Cup, right? It was Chicago, L.A., and us. Boston snuck in there one time. We let that one go. It's That is one thing that the Penguins have at least been able to, during each of these teams' as little mini-dynasty, if you want to call it that, the Penguins have never missed the playoffs in that time. No. Sure, the Blackhawks made it every year as well in their three cup runs, but it's the success that they have not had since then. Mm-hmm. And that our gap has, was larger between cups. Of, of all those teams I just mentioned, we were the first ones to do it. And then the last kind ones. of the last ones, yeah, because it's been a different team ever since. That's the fact that we've been able to make the playoffs each year in between there and then after it even after our last big success we're still sneaking in we're still coasting around we're not doing great in these games in the postseason but those are conversations for different days because regardless of how well you perform in those games this is a record this is a new thing it's I mean, hell, it was a record last year in 15 years. It just keeps, it's like the Matthew situation. Every new year or every new goal that he scores, it's a new record for that team. Mm-hmm. For the Penguins, it's a new record for us and a new record for the, what is the streak? It's the longest in North American sports. Right now, yep. Yeah, I'm, I mean, what European sports are bigger? Is there like a... <laughs> I don't know how the playoff system works in the Premier League. But I would is imagine there... maybe Man City, Man United. I don't know. I mean, again, Barcelona, whatever league they're in, I'm sure they're they're always a juggernaut. I don't is know there... much about footy. Yeah, is there maybe a? Uh... Oh, no, I'm not kidding. Is there like a cricket team maybe that's like made it 30 <laughs> years? I genuinely think there is. Australian actually. rugby team maybe. Yes, yeah, some stupid sport like that. But hey. um, not stupid. Those are intense <laughs> sports. But it's this is just it's a record-setting thing i uh wrote about it last year at the hockey writers that 15 years with it being the longest streak in north american sports it means something whether or not they're winning every year they made 15 straight playoff playoff playoffs and did not win a cup we're not looking at it the same but we're still holding on to uh and i mean 16 i said 15 if we make it 16 straight years and not winning a cup we're still holding on to it as something it is still some sort of success we're still talking about Hall of Fame players on this team. We're still discussing what a good, successful team we've had over the years that can still contribute memories. Um, we're just blessed enough to have three cup wins in that time, four appearances, and to be a fierce competitor for 16 straight years. The only thing that I that in our lifetime we have seen that's even close to it was when Detroit hit 25, and they were coasting in by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, and the big thing, and I do want to clean up a little bit of the stats that I said earlier. Five of the 15 years up to this point of this streak, the Penguins have made it to the conference finals. That's, again, not just getting there, but being successful there. And, of course, you mentioned the three Stanley Cups. Being there four out of what would be, even if they don't win this year, they would have made it to four out of 16 years to the Stanley Cup finals. That is unparalleled success, no matter what you say about it. And I think the Pittsburgh Penguins, they should hang their hat on that a little bit. I know they're not going to. They're looking forward. They have five games left in the regular season. They have what would be, in my opinion, the toughest trail and toughest path to a Stanley Cup championship that they have ever had in these 16 years. Lining up 
on day one, that's the toughest you're going to have to go through right there with where the Penguins are at and where the other teams in this conference are at. It is a great Eastern Conference playoff field right now. And with that, I do want to ask this question because, you know, we hang our hat on the 16 playoff appearances. It's nice to recommend that. It's to commend that, not recommend, but it's nice to commend that. Nice to talk about a little bit. But now you have to look at the challenge ahead, which for the Penguins is getting through the Eastern Conference. Where do you currently rank them among the current Eastern Conference playoff field? All eight teams have clinched a playoff berth. Where do you rank them among the eight? So these eight, we've been talking about these same eight teams since, what, November? Yeah, basically. <laughs> this has been decided for a long time now. It's a matter of ranking them. I would say we're, when, knock on wood, this when fully healthy uh, myth that we have been trying to find all season. Yeah. Um, when fully healthy, we can be a pretty good competitor. When on our game, not even fully healthy, when we're playing on our game, on our top level, we can beat any team in this league. Um, I think the only teams at this moment that I'm going to place above us, in no particular order, because I will just kind of order the Penguins, Okay. I look at and say the Rangers are definitely above us. I would say the Lightning are above us just because they are two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, and you can't deny that for now, and they're still a pretty good team. Man, so, so far that makes the Penguins three. Uh, I just cannot give it to Toronto yet. Okay. Much like the Penguins, they haven't done shit in the first round, so I just cannot give them that credit yet. Carolina, I would say, is above us, but barely. And I know I haven't mentioned Florida yet, and they're the team 10 points up, but I don't know what it is about Florida that I think about us playing them, and I go, I think we can take it. I don't know why, but I'm going to say they're just above us too. So I'm going to say the Penguins are like fifth. I get Boston doesn't have a rank, when it comes to the postseason, they're just the they're Boston, Boston Bruins. Yeah. But I don't know. Just something about the team not having Tuka Rask in that. Sure, they have Olmark, but I mean, it's Linus Olmark. It's not Tuka Rask. It's a bit of a difference there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're talking Marchand. Yeah, Bergeron. Two just seasoned, seasoned veterans in the postseason. And Pasternak, who can just score whenever the hell he decides. If he's healthy because he missed Saturday's game. Ooh. With an injury. Ooh. Oh, speaking of healthy, uh, Carolina, what's up with Freddie Anderson? Yeah, that's going to be a big question mark. We talk about the Penguins and Tristan Jari. Carolina, if Freddie Anderson's down, not that Antti Ranta has played poorly against the Penguins specifically, but at the same time, it's the same question that we'll ask of Casey DeSmith or of even Louis Domingue maybe, is can you really count on that guy to get you through four rounds, especially in this Eastern Conference? And the answer, I'm not going to tease it. The answer is no. It's not, but we'll talk about it a little bit later with with the Jari situation. But I do like that, ranked fifth. I have them similarly ranked. I have them right now as the sixth sixth best team in the NHL's Eastern Conference. I do think they're better than the Washington Capitals, even though they did win the season series. I think they outplayed them in two of the three games that they lost to the Capitals. And I do think they're better than the Bruins, especially after Saturday. You look at a Penguins team, I understand the Bruins didn't have Pasternak. That was evened out by the fact that the Penguins didn't have uh, Evgeny Malkin. How about the fact that the Penguins also didn't have Tristan Jari in net, and the Bruins went up two to nothing in the first three minutes, and then still weren't able to do anything the rest of the game. The Penguins, who weren't playing their best game, were able to control the pace of play for the majority of that game against the Boston Bruins. So I would rank the Penguins currently ahead of the Boston Bruins. Now Toronto, that is the only other question I have. I have the Maple Leafs ahead of the Penguins right now. I understand that their track record in the postseason is abysmal 
when we talk about, hey, you made the playoffs however many straight years, but you didn't do anything, that's where the Maple Leafs are right now. This is year six for them. They haven't won a single thing in year six. So that's where they're at right now. But honestly, the way that Matthews is playing right now, the problem has been not only goaltending, but Austin Matthews has really kind of faded away once the big bright lights get turned on in Toronto for the playoffs. I just don't see how this season, how that production evaporates in the first round. So I have the Maple Leafs slightly ahead of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But other than that, we're right along the same lines right there. I have the Penguins at six. You have the Penguins at fifth. I like five just because I feel like we're a better team than Toronto. Sure, their production's great. I just genuinely feel like the Penguins are a better team. So that's kind of why they get the push down for me. Uh, I genuinely also feel like the Penguins are a better team than, say, Carolina or Florida. But it's a matter of them being monsters right now. Yeah. Like, there's the difference there. It's As I look at the t- both of our teams, as, as I look at the Penguins that I've watched almost every game this year. I did not watch Saturday, by the way. Mm-hmm. As I was looking for a stream, we went down 2 nothing, and I said, I'm not even bothering. Gonna, oh, it was a good game after that. I, I believe it, but I'm just, I just said I'm going to save myself that stress and anger <laughs> and go enjoy my day. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I look at the Penguins squared up against Carolina and Florida, and I just, like, I've been watching Pittsburgh game in and game out. I have not been watching Carolina and Florida game in and game out, but I feel I just have the vibe that the Penguins are uh, the better team. Team. You know, mm-hmm. things need to be rolling on all cylinders, like I said. Yeah. The health needs to be there. The non-red mist needs to be there and our goalie needs to be there mm-hmm. all those things add up first of all we could beat any team in this league but at the same time we could specifically beat those two teams that are monsters this year now again 104 points is tied with the rangers in carolina so it's they're not necessarily monsters monsters like florida's been playing like but i just have good vibes about this team mm-hmm. again i can't call them contenders until they win around, but I like where the team's at. It needs a couple of pieces to be tweaked and a couple of things just to find their game, Brian Dumoulin specifically. Uh, Dan Heinen picking it up at the right time. How about that? Mm-hmm. Things are going well now all of a sudden. And Gino comes back like a house of fire. We got, we're cooking with gas. Malkins, or, uh, Crosby and Raquel's working out phenomenally. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody. Russ needs to figure some things out, but that's okay. I mean... I think we've all known Brian Russ is fairly inconsistent throughout his whole career. He still scores at a great pace. He just has to find the right time. I also think part of that is the fact that he's been with Jeff Carter the last three games. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at who is center. I mean, not the last three. I guess, yeah, I guess Raquel has been with Crosby this entire stretch when Malkin's been out. So, he's been with Carter. So, I think you take that for what you will. If he continues a so-called slump once Malkin returns then you start to raise some questions there. But when I look at the Eastern Conference right now, especially the way that teams are playing, we always say it's important to play well leading into the postseason. Take some momentum into the postseason. The fact that you're mentioning Florida before you're mentioning the New York Rangers when it comes to, to Mont or the sorry, yeah, when it comes to teams the Penguins could beat is what I should say. I have to ask the question, did you hear me say that they're 19-2-1 since the beginning of March? The Panthers? Yes. Yeah, I heard that. We haven't played them, though. Have we? We did, and we lost one of those games. 4-3. to yeah, one. Uh, uh, yeah, 4-3 to three in that game. The Penguins have played, I will give you that, they have played the Panthers tough this year. They've taken a couple games from them, I believe. They've also played the Carolina Hurricanes tough and taken one game from them as well. But when I look at this, 
first and foremost, the first thing that jumps out to me is the Florida Panthers, one, are going to be the top seed in the East, and two, they are 10-0-0 in their last 10 games, part of that 19-2-1 stretch that I mentioned. The Carolina Hurricanes, the reason that they have kind of dropped down, because they were close to the Panthers for a while there, 4-5-1 in their last 10, that is not good for the Carolina Hurricanes, not to mention the fact that now they don't know how Freddie Anderson is doing, especially after that, what looked like a really awkward fall that he took on Sunday. But the Penguins are worse than that in their last 10. They have the worst record in the last 10 of any Eastern Conference playoff team at 3, 6, and 1. So you know what? We'll get into the Penguins-Bruins right now. The one thing that I need to see in the last five games, which we'll talk about, you need to pick up more wins. Yeah. It, it, the, the time is done to be like, all right, whatever. Stay healthy. Play well, but if you don't get the results, that's fine. The time is now to start winning. I know I said before they can lose out as long as they make the playoffs. I'm happy. Win this Eastern Con- in this Eastern Conference, I'm not comfortable with that anymore. No. Especially to- with especially with Jari out. We need to gain momentum. That's all we need to worry about. It's gaining momentum. Doesn't matter where the production is coming from. Doesn't matter <clears throat> how the production is coming. Getting a couple of wins here and there, gaining some momentum is what is important. And if we're lucky enough, mm-hmm. maybe a team like Florida, they can't win out. They're already on a 10-game winning streak. Yeah. You, you think they're going to lose a couple here and there. Maybe they lose out. You never know what this league holds. Mm-hmm. Maybe they lo- drop their momentum. Like Maybe they plummet their momentum. You know, uh, Carolina, I'm, who knows? I mean, that might be who we face if the Rangers can pick up a win. I... Straight up, the only team that I, the only two teams that I'm fully fearing in these playoffs in round one would be the Rangers, <clears throat> the Rangers and uh, Tampa Bay right now. And really? I think Tampa Bay we might be able to handle too. Just a matter of how tired they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen, we've seen a Penguins team get into a go for their third straight cup and they're just exhausted and it's over. Mm-hmm. Boston might give us some troubles, but that's just because it's Boston. I think. We could put up a fight against most of the teams in this league. They're in this uh, in this conference. Sure, I said fifth, but still, think we can hold them. Ranking them is a far different from who you think would win in a seven game series, and and staying afloat specifically in a seven yes. game series. So that is for sure. Let's talk really quickly about that game against the Boston Bruins. I know you mentioned that you weren't able to watch it live, and realistically, not a lot went on in that game it, it was low event hockey it was really tight checking it was neutral zone clogged up by both teams which if you're the pittsburgh penguins in the way that they've played lately it's not a bad way to play a game especially on the road at td garden which we've all exhausted how bad the penguins are at td garden so they lose two to one especially after giving up two goals in the first two minutes not an awful outcome for a pittsburgh penguins team that you had to expect was going to have a little bit of a hangover. They had clinched a playoff spot. They were without their starting goaltender. They were without their second best player. It's Patriots Day weekend in Boston, which is always tough to go up there and take victories away. Look at the Brooklyn Nets on Sunday. They were not able to get the job done against the Seas, who I have backing in the NBA playoffs nonetheless. But it is a tough spot for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You, I expected them to have a rough game. It started off that way, but they turned it around and played a pretty good last 58 minutes of the game. Call me with food in my mouth, but yeah, <laughs> you got to play the full 60 though. Yeah, oh, You're getting yeah. there. 58, you're getting there. 58. Love it. I, I, I'm not going to say they played a perfect 58 minutes after that first two, 
They played damn near. They played a pretty good game after that. Getting one goal is the issue. You got to beat Jeremy Swayman much more than that. Of course, they get the opportunity to do that on Thursday. We'll get to see the Bruins once again for the last time this season. This time, the winner takes the season series. If I'm not mistaken, the Penguins did beat the Bruins the first time. They did because Danton Heinen scored two goals. The Penguins were able to beat the Bruins in that one. It was like a comeback game, wasn't it? Weren't we it, down it, in that one too? It was, and then Danton Heinen went off. Uh, similarly, Danton Heinen was able to score the lone goal against the Bruins on Saturday. His third goal against the Bruins in just two games this season at in TD Boston. Garden. <laughs> exactly. And that also made his 17th goal of the season. A new career high for Danton Heinen, who right now is technically being deployed and will be deployed on what will be the Penguins' fourth line with Teddy Bluger and Brock McGinn. I don't hate that line at all. Like, if you're going to have Heinen on the fourth line, at least it's with those guys, and you better deploy him for more than four minutes a game. Yeah, absolutely. And for what it's worth, there's something about having at least somewhat of a scoring threat on each line. Mm -hmm. And if Dan Heinen's able to be the one that does it, I'm with it. He scored a goal, and he still only had 10 minutes of ice time. Yeah, he scored goals in three straight games, by the way. Yeah, he's still not getting his full ice time. I mean... Uh, 12 minutes in the shootout loss, but that there's an overtime in there. So I think he did get a shift <laughs> in that overtime too. Yeah. So he's picking up his minutes. It's not, they're still not ideal for an NHL player, but they're not four, six, six, you know, they're now nine, eight, there's a 12 an eight and a 10. So he's getting a little bit more of a chance, but it's a matter of keeping this consistency up and maybe, playing a couple of more minutes here and there what is a normal fourth liner play i mean that's kind about of about 10 minutes out. yeah it's it's about nine or ten minutes especially in the sullivan system in, in the heyday of you know tom kunockle eric fair matt cullen they would still only play about 10 minutes a game but the big thing with them is they also killed penalties and got to 12 and 13 because they played on the penalty kill danton heinen does not kill penalties for the penguins Right, and like I look at Teddy Bluger, he's got fifteen forty four, but he's killing every penalty. And the Penguins have been um, in the box a lot the last two games. Yes, that's you want to talk about something we need to figure out. Kasperi captain only seven minutes last game, by the way. Mm-hmm. Talk about our fourth liner. Oh man, oh man, he'll be on the third line, uh, and we'll talk about this at that in the second segment. When I looked at the lineup on Saturday, I was like, wait a minute. We know exactly what this lineup is like when Malkin comes back because they're basically putting it in front of our faces that anybody that has followed this team all season knows exactly how this is going to go. And we'll talk about that in the second segment. But last thing I want to talk about with the Bruins game is the Demons are not there anymore at TD Garden because that is not the same Bruins team. And that's why I'm confident with the Penguins over the Boston Bruins because before there would be nothing going. This team couldn't do anything. Specifically Crosby at TD Garden struggled mightily against Patrice Bergeron. But as I'll talk about later in the show when we have our Pens poll, that Crosby line soared over the Bergeron line on Saturday. Crosby, Raquel, Gensel has been a house of fire, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But for right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we return to the tip of the iceberg, not so fun topic. Let's talk about Tristan Jari, his injury week to week with a lower body injury. We'll discuss it right after the break. Hockey fans. Feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. 
New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team to win, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Some unwelcome news over the weekend. It was a slow burn in Pittsburgh. The news to find out that Tristan Jari indeed does have a broken foot. First reported by Colin Dunlap, then also reported by Dave Molinari of DK Pittsburgh Sports. Going to be out week to week with a lower body injury. That's what Mike Sullivan said. There are 17 days left until the NHL postseason kicks off. You would have to imagine that that is it for Tristan Jari in the regular season. And here's the way that I'm thinking about this. This is unsubstantiated. This is literally just a gut feeling. So take it for what you will when you're listening to this. Jari has done this regular season. I think we all know that much. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to have to get through the first round to see Tristan Jari back in the the net. Ooh! They're going to have to get a first round victory with either DeSmith or Domingue, and they're going to have to figure that out. And that's a gut feeling. He could come back earlier. He could be, it could literally be a Mr. Game 1 situation, a la 2016 Jeff Zadkoff. Let's go. But I mean, my gut feeling is that he'll probably miss the first round. Four weeks. That That's the timetable in my head that I feel like for a fractured foot. Like, it's, it's very different, and you never know. But that's my gut feeling right now. You're right. It is very different. I have my own gut feeling that I will get to in a minute, but I, you don't ideally want that for your team going into the playoffs, obviously, where you're down your starting goalie, yeah. no matter who you're playing. All of a sudden, you have to rely on Casey DeSmith or Louis Domingue. Hey, Louis Domingue, want a real chance at this league again? He'll probably play in three of the next five games, I would imagine. Yeah, so they find go- your find yeah. your uh, former glory from the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning record-breaking year. <laughs> he wasn't great that year. It's just he was on the Lightning. Ah, you know what, though? Now he's on the Penguins. He was we'll great in his one game this season. 40-plus exactly. saves and a win in San Jose on the road. Yeah, yeah. a 40-save victory in San Jose <laughs> is something to speak about. But um, my theory is myself that, again, and again, these are both just gut reactions from mm-hmm. each of us. We're not insiders. We do not know the inside track of what is actually going on with Case, with uh, Tristan Jari's foot. Yeah. My theory, I text this to you and Doug, until I'm proven otherwise, I'm going to lay on the belief, and the confidence at least, that this is just an injury that has been nagging him. Now, sure, I did not know the broken foot part, but hey, still never know. Athlete, hockey players play through injuries all the time. He may have had a fractured foot for a little while now. I mean, two straight to Smith starts, that that wasn't that wouldn't normally happen, especially as we're still as at the time we were still trying to fight for a playoff spot. Yeah. The day after we clinch, it's, all right, DeSmith is out for two weeks. Or yeah. week to week, sorry. Yeah. Week to week, we're two weeks out of a playoffs, out of the playoffs. 
We're not trying to overwork Tristan Jari down the stretch here. We're trying to give him some rest. Well, why not literally sit him for two weeks? Because he's got this nagging injury. Why not come back fully healthy? And first game back, game one. Maybe game two. <laughs> I That is my genuine hope and theory with my gut reaction to this is that it's an injury that was nagging him because, again, two straight dismissed starts does not happen. When's the last time it happened this year? I'm sure it didn't. Uh, Maybe I'm not sure. Before. It might have happened one other time this season. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, that doesn't happen. We know this. Uh, so, maybe you were trying to get him some rest then to, like, heal up the injury. Maybe the Smith was going to get you a win. Didn't happen. Finally, it was like, all right, Jar, you got to go get us a win because we need this playoff spot locked up. He goes out there on a broken freaking foot, does it. And then says, all right, that's enough of me for the year. I'll see you guys in the postseason. That's my theory. Now, again, I could be we, we could both be wrong. I could be wrong. You could be right. I don't know. But for what it is worth, that is my where I'm resting my laurels and just thinking, hopefully it's just something where we're trying to rest him, get him fully healed up for the postseason run. That, I mean, week to week is, hope, is more hopeful than here's a definite date or a definite month. Yeah. Um, because you see week to week and you go, all right, we'll evaluate him in a week. We'll evaluate him in another. And hey, look, he's good to go. It's playoffs. Here we have, here, now we have fun. That's just where I'm, where my hope is and my theory is. Uh, because we had the discussion of how much do you play Jari and Smith down the stretch. Yeah. We had that discussion and, and it was hard. And it, the genuine answer was it's hard to find the right balance because you still want your goalie to have momentum going into the playoffs, but you don't want to overuse them. Yeah. In the Freddie Anderson effect. Well, how about we just don't use him at all? Now, that there could be a downside to not using him at all, yeah. but if there is an injury there, him coming in fully healthy at least has his benefits. He'll be rested, might need a game to get game speed again, or mm-hmm. a little bit of time, who knows? But it's the playoffs. It's a different game anyway. Yeah. So who knows? He could be coming in and just be perfectly fine. That's where I'm going to hold on to my theory. I like yours as well. Oh, I don't like it, but um, <laughs> yeah. it makes sense as well because mm-hmm. we've seen the Penguins go into playoffs down a goalie or two. Yeah. seen it before. I've had success with it before. Yeah, I, I don't have faith in DeSmith and Deming over Zadkoff and Jari back then, by the way. He was the backup that game. Yes. So he's seen this situation. Um, anything is possible. I'm still confident in the team enough that maybe DeSmith, maybe Deming, maybe Jari comes back in time. There's a lot of things that could still happen. Mm-hmm. I just want to hold on to my theory for sure. First and foremost, solid Kurt Angle reference there. I like that. Oh, yeah. Secondly, whenever this happened and whenever they finally came out and said, you know, he's week to week, I posted on the tip of the iceberg Twitter. I said, fact, the last two times the Penguins starter was banged up heading into the postseason, they won the Stanley Cup in back-to-back years. Doom and gloom was in the responses. Doom and gloom. It's like some of y'all don't remember Jeff Zadkoff. Now, I wasn't saying... DeSmith and Deming are going to backstop the Pittsburgh Penguins to the 2022 Stanley Cup because that would be asinine and you should cancel me for that. I didn't say that. I said, hey, if they can get Jari back later in round one, we've seen it where, hey, somebody's had to step in game one. Zadkoff got a win against the Rangers in 2016. Yes, in 2017, you had Marc-Andre Fleury, an all-world Hall of Fame goaltender, be able to step in when Matt Murray pulled a groin, but still... It's just something that was supposed to be a joke. Some people took it seriously. But looking at this, the reason I don't like 
your theory. I think, you know, it'd be great. I would much rather that be the theory than what I saw. But what I saw was Anders Lee barrel into Tristan Jari's lower body. I saw Tristan Jari stand up, limp around, and struggle to finish that game where they clinched a playoff spot. And then I saw a report the next day that said he might have broken his foot whenever he got his legs taken out from under him by a large human and Anders Lee the night before. I think that's where it happened. We'll never know for sure. They'll never come out and say, yeah, he broke his foot then, unless there's a biopic of Tristan Jari for some reason 10 years in the future. And this is the reason he goes off on a Herculean run the next 10 years. But I think that's where it was. I'm hoping you're right. I would love to see Jari back in game two. I just think that that is what caused that lower body injury. But I also think, as you mentioned, if he was not going to be back in the postseason at all, they would have said month to month their season's over. They're holding out hope for a reason. A foot injury is very, very finicky. It could be a small fracture. It could be a complete break. But if it was a complete break, he would not be coming back at all this season. Ball game, yeah. So you got to hold out hope that it was a small fracture, that they're just hoping that it heals up by the mid-first round or maybe even push through that first round. We'll talk about the possibilities of that and get him back at the start of the second round of the postseason. That's what you have to hold out hope for if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. One last thing I did want to mention because I did see it on Twitter. Somebody said, well, Brock McGinn had a broken hand. He was out four weeks. I'm like, well, a broken hand... It's a lot easier to play through than a broken foot, especially for a goaltender. When you have to push off, when you're, you know, going butterfly like Tristan Jari does, when you skate around as much as Jari does in the crease, it's a very different thing. It's something that I can't speak on medically, but I do know that there's a stark difference in playing with a broken hand and a broken foot. You stand on your feet. Really? Your, all of your body weight goes to your feet. I've been standing wrong for 26 years been standing on your hands damn yeah most of the time yeah hands and or my nose don't get me wrong like trying to shoot a hockey puck with a broken hand it's not easy but it was also later in the season or earlier in the season i should say uh he had time to come back and still get regular season games in uh who knows it might still be hurting him athletes hockey players play through obscene things Mm -hmm. I forget who it was that played through a punctured lung. Yeah, I forget I who that was. Patrice Bergeron broke his ankle and finished a shift. These guys are nutty. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm thinking maybe two straight to Smith starts. Maybe the Anders Lee thing contributed to an already nagging injury. Maybe. Things could happen. You never, you don't know. Things yeah. could happen in practice. Things could happen in the real world. We, like we talk about Todd Reardon busting up his knee while tr- trying to get snow off of his car. Yeah. Things can happen in the real world. These guys have lives too. Mm-hmm. Not that we're saying, yeah, Tristan Jari uh, busted his foot because he stubbed his toe on his coffee table. But like, things can happen. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that there aren't more off-ice injuries that we hear about from athletes or off-field injuries or off-court injuries across the world is kind of surprising because, I mean, people get hurt in the real world all the time. But I just um, attribute that to the fact that they're much more... Uh, smart? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as um, far as to say smart, coordinated yeah. is where I was going. Yeah, you know what? You're right about that. But still, just... Now I'm just rambling, but anything can be possible with all these injuries. Who knows? I mean, for all we know... Malkin's knee can still be bothering him. He's just a mutant. We know his wrist is bothering him. We know he has to retire before he can get that wrist surgery done. Elbow. Elbow, whatever it is. Yeah. We know that Sid's played through some heinous shit before. 
who knows what all these guys are doing. That's why the first day after the postseason every year is the most entertaining day to find out who's getting what surgery. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You never know. So you just got to hold out for the best of hope because, again, unless you are literally in the room or the medic or, I don't know, maybe a very good insider, you're not going to know exactly what is going on. Yeah. So we're here giving our theories, giving our opinions, giving our hopes. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Weirder shit has happened. Very true. Very true. All we can do is sit on bated breath and wait for updates on Tristan Jari. We're probably not going to get one until the end of the regular season, to be completely honest, or at least the last week of the regular season, in my opinion. So uh, You know what we'll do? You know what's going to happen? Uh, Shirt off the back night. That's going to be a big tell. If he's in a boot. If he's in a boot. If they do that this year. I'm assuming they will because they've had full capacity crowds anyway. Yeah. Uh, and they would probably love to have that back. Yeah. He walks out in a boot. All right, we got some worrying to do. If he walks out perfectly fine, a la Jason Zucker after his lower body injury, hey, we're on to something here. Yeah, That'll be a big tell, because I'm assuming Tristan Jari, season-long starting goaltender, will be involved in that. I would imagine so. So let's close the book on Jari's season before looking ahead at the options the Penguins currently do have then in net. Tristan Jari, for a regular season, especially after what happened to him last postseason, was very remarkable. He He was really good at points. He was exceptionally good at points there were a couple of downturns especially i believe in the middle of march he had a rough patch of games but at the end of the day 34 18 and 6 record a 2.42 goals allowed average 919 save percentage and a career high four shutouts for tristan jari not to mention the fact that he finished with 11.21 goals saved above average one of my favorite stats for goaltenders that is ninth in the national hockey league so a really good season for Tristan Jari, because this is probably the end of his regular season. Yeah, very great season. I, we can remember early on, I mean, yeah, he was it was a lot, among the likes of Markstrom and Shesterkin, but there was genuine thoughts for a couple weeks, maybe two to three at the most, that Jari could be up for a Vesna conversation. Mm-hmm. Not in with the stuff Markstrom was doing, getting nine shutouts in, what, what like ten games at the beginning of the year? Yeah. Um, and then the way Shesterkin it just exploded and put that entire New York Rangers team on his back. Uh, different conversation now, but there was that short time at the beginning of the year where we saw the bounce back of Tristan Jari. He was playing phenomenally. His numbers were among the top three in the league in every stat, it seemed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was genuine conversation of him possibly sustaining that and being in that conversation. Now, it's a long season. That's why we play the entire season. He's fallen off a little bit since then, but then again, it's hard to sustain those numbers. But the fact that we were able to, with him, after the postseason he had and after everyone wanted to run him out of town... He did great this season. He did great this season, guys. That's a that's a playoff caliber goaltender right there. He just has to prove it in the playoffs now. Mm-hmm. You can remember, every, I think you were on this you on this podcast were pretty hard on reading between the lines of what Hextall and Burke were saying in the off season of we're not looking for another goalie. We are confident in Tristan Jari. Yeah, you and many others are reading between the lines and saying that's him saying that that he's gone. I sat back and said he's not going anywhere. Now, here we are. I'm not going to do another victory lap, but he wasn't going anywhere. And I think we all deep down knew that because uh, who else was out there at the time that we were going to pay for? I don't want Linus Allmark on my team. I'd rather have Tristan Jari. I can't remember who else. We wanted to trade. That's what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I like our choice here. I like our guy. Yeah, the questions were John Gibson, Brayton Holtby, guys like that. And uh, at the end well, of the Holtby's day... Holtby's a backup now. Yeah, Holtby is a backup in Dallas right now. But at the end of the day, the best option was the option in-house. 
Ron mm-hmm. Hextall saw that, and he was able to hold on to his pieces, and Jari was able to reward him with a really good regular season. Let's look ahead. Goalies know goalies. I guess. Uh, let's look ahead to, to hopefully he knows goalies when it comes to the backup market because Casey DeSmith and Louis Domingue are both going to have to step up, step up here. We mentioned earlier, I think Louis Domingue, this is a tryout. This is basically who performs better going throughout the rest of the season. Domingue has been okay, not above. I mean, he's above average in the AHL this season. I believe he has like a 924 save percentage, which is good, but it's also the AHL. You should be doing that. He's the AHL and he has played in the NHL before. He has extensive experience in the national. Is so, it higher or lower than, not to cut you off again, but is it higher or lower than Matt Murray's numbers in the AHL this year? I, oh man. That's, that's <laughs> that, was the, that was a low blow. That was a very low blow, especially for a guy that brought us two Stanley Cups. Come on, man. Put some respect on his name. I loved Matt Murray, man. I had to. But uh, nonetheless, Casey DeSmith, a.k.a. Casey DeSave, has done pretty well in three of the last four games for the Penguins, which is what he's played. The Penguins have lost two of those games, both by a goal, and the one game they were able to win in overtime as well. So he's keeping them in games against good teams. Predators are a playoff team. They won by one goal in that game. DeSmith played really well. Against the Islanders, yeah, he gave up a lot of goals. His defense was nowhere to be found. They lost 5-4 to four in the shootout. And then against the Bruins on Saturday, yeah, a rough start. Gave up two goals in the first two minutes, but then he settled down. He made 27 saves on 29 shots. When I look at Casey DeSmith, and I know you're going to roll your eyes, and I know people are going to spit out their coffee when they hear me say this. His style, not his ability, but his style is more aligned with Marc-Andre Fleury than it is with Tristan Jari. He gets the flashy saves. That might be because he's a little more out of position. He's a smaller goaltender, so it's harder for him to take up the entire net. He's not going to be able to bring a calming presence to the back end. So stop looking for it because he's not going to give it to you. It's going to be a heart attack every time he's on the ice, but he will be making great flashy saves like he did against the Predators and like he did against the New York Islanders on Tuesday. He might be out of position, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be a bad goaltender. This season, he has kind of turned it around after a slow start. 8-5-5 record, 289 goals allowed average, 907 save percentage. The one stat that I love that he's not great in is his goal saved above average, and that's due to his really, really slow start because he was awful at the beginning of the season. Negative 5.53 goals saved above average. So below average on that, I think he's in like 40 to 45 range in the National Hockey League in that stat. But nonetheless, lately, Casey DeSmith has been okay for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I'm not going to roll my eyes. I'm not going to disagree. I'm actually totally going to agree with you on that because, yeah, He's a goalie that can definitely make, excuse me, he can definitely make saves. They just might be the saves where it's, well, why were you all the way over there? Oh, but you made it back. It's okay. It's not, he's, he may get out of position, but he's able to rebound enough to make the save, to make, that's why they're, that's why every game he may give up an absolutely ugly goal, Mm -hmm. but you know what he's doing? Making at least two, at least two saves. You go, how the hell did he do that? You know, it's he's an out-of-position goalie, sure, but if he's athletic enough to make it back and make the save, that's all that matters. It's not the Peter Morazic thing where he's out and it's, oh, forget it, that puck's in the back of the net already and he's yeah. still in the corner. It's a little different. He's able to at least maintain stability. Again, it's not ideal that he's making these heart attack saves because in the playoffs, my God, our stress level's high enough. Mm-hmm. Going down the stretch, our stress level's high enough. We don't need more heart attack saves on top of already being maybe down a goal. Who knows? But it's just the fear of having the backup in might be a little effect there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if he's able to make the good saves, 
screw it, we'll take it. And another thing, too, that I've brought up before, sometimes when that backup goalie is in net, your defense squares up. Your defense realizes, hey, it's not our starter in there. You know, maybe that's the effect of, I'd have to rewatch the clips, but maybe that's what happened in game one of 2016. Or even game two. He, he played, Jeff Zakoff played game two, by the way. People forget that. He lost, but he played in game two. Yeah. Flurry came back in game three. I don't know. That was Murray back then because Murray won out and then won the rest of the series. Maybe Flurry did. Flurry play played game. game two, I believe. I'd have to take another look at everything, but yeah. I'm gonna double check it. But I don't know. It's been it's been six years. I know it has been. It's been oh, it's been six years. But um, still, just the fact that sometimes your goalie will or your defense will see that it is not our all-star caliber starter in that. Maybe we should square up a little bit, play a little bit smarter, because who plays great when they play smart? Literally everybody on our defense. Yeah. Literally all of them. That's the thing we've been saying all year. Chris Letang, when he plays smart, is a top defenseman in this league. Brian Dublin, when he plays smart, is a steady first-line defenseman. Mike Matheson, we don't know if he has a smart bone or if that's just his game. Mike Matheson has been great. But he's been great. So now if he can just play smarter on top of just being great... Holy shit. This defense can be really good when it plays smart. So maybe we need a backup for the stretch here to tell to some to like maybe break in these defenders of just playing smart hockey. Mm-hmm. We'll find out in these last 5 games, but you never know. We have time to learn. We have a bunch of days off too. The problem that I have with the defense, we don't have to get too deep into this because we don't have another game before the next time we record so we can talk about this later. The problem that I have with this defense is Brian Dumlin is not great right now. Brian Dumlin is turning the puck over. Brian Dumlin is struggling to start the play in the defensive zone. That first pass that he has right now is abysmal. It is awful. His breakout is horrendous. And guess what? Same goes for Marcus Pedersen. I mentioned it a couple episodes ago that I thought Friedman's going to get the two games against the Islanders. Pedersen's going to get the two games against the, the Bruins. As of right now, that has been true three out of the four games into that, and I've seen enough. Mark Friedman needs to be in the lineup over Marcus Pedersen. And the the reason is, you can have one player play the way that Dumoulin and Pedersen are playing, but you certainly cannot have two. And that's what they have if they have those guys in the lineup. Friedman is a much better option, in my opinion, than Marcus Pedersen is at the moment. I understand you're trying to get all of them experience, and I won't dive too much deeper into this, but I think Mark Friedman has earned that spot for, for game one, in my opinion, from what I've seen over the past, you know, week and the whole season. I think so, too. And he also just plays more of a playoff style. He's, yes. in, your, he's in your face. He's going to piss you off. What is what the most important thing in the playoffs? Special teams. Who's going to get us to a power play? Mark Friedman. Mark Friedman. Yeah. No, that's... It. Mark Friedman will piss you off. That's the kind of guy you want in the playoffs. Not Marcus Patterson. Mm-hmm. No offense to the guy. I'm sure he's a great defenseman, especially if he plays smart. But who would you rather have in the lineup? The guy that's going to piss off the other team, get under their skin, maybe get them off their game, or the guy that we've been talking about trading for almost three seasons now? Yeah. Just a thought. Also, I do. I can't confirm. Jesse Akoff did play game two, and he lost. Yeah, and he lost. But okay. then Murray stepped in. I forget where Flurry played. I know he came in and played at least a game and lost. It had to be in the second round. Uh, but that's 2016 talk. We don't have to continue now. I just wanted to double check that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, and this is the last thing I'll say on the Pedersen versus Freeman thing. Pedersen's highest bar is head and shoulders above Mark Friedman's, but Pedersen has been nowhere near that. Most of the season. His lowest is much lower. Like, Pedersen's ceiling is higher is what I'm saying. But Pedersen's bottom is much lower than Friedman's at this point. Yes. Yeah. 
So let's talk really quickly about the first round of the playoffs because if it goes along the timeline that I'm imagining, I'm imagining that the Penguins need to win a series without Tristan Jari. I'm hoping mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but that's that's my gut feeling. So the question then becomes, can the Pittsburgh Penguins win in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time in four seasons with Casey DeSmith or even Louis Domingue as their starter? Uh, I do believe it's possible. Mm-hmm. I do believe it's possible. Mostly because DeSmith has picked up his game since his awful, awful, awful start. I'm assuming regardless of how the two play down the stretch that... Unless unless Domingue quite literally does not give up a singular goal. I'm assuming Casey DeSmith is getting the start in the playoffs if Jari's not back. Mm-hmm. Just by sheer... We saw it last year. We don't want our AHL call-up goalie going in. We don't. We don't. But also, I mean, Louis Domingue is a much better option than Maxime Lagasse. Yeah, but Lagasse had a shutout. <laughs> anyway... <clears throat> No, you're right. Doming is a much better option. The more NHL experience, we can always fall back on that Tampa Bay Lightning year. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it is possible that I'm still assuming DeSmith gets the start because he's played pretty pretty okay this mm-hmm. season, pretty solid enough. Um, he's had his bounce back. Maybe the maybe the playoffs changes them. You know, maybe he maybe everyone plays smarter in front of him, and all of a sudden he maybe he's also playing smarter. He's realizing, hey, I'm off my I'm off my posts a bit. I shouldn't do that because it's a different season. Maybe he s- stays back a little more. Um, but it, I still do think it is possible. It won't be the easiest thing in the world winning with one of those two, but it is possible. Mm-hmm. And my theory is that if Jari is not back, uh, it's going to be the Smiths net until Jari is back. But I think it's possible. The defense has to play smart in front of him. The offense has to score which they seem like they're going to start figuring out soon. And DeSmith has to make the right saves. I think it's possible. No matter who it is, by the way. I will say that. No matter who we're playing, I think it is possible. They're not going to win a Stanley Cup backstop by either of these guys. They're nope. not. And and nobody's saying that they will. I will say it so many times because it seems like nobody hears me when I do say it. So I'll say it again. They will not win a Stanley Cup with Casey DeSmith as their starting goaltender or with Louis Domingue as their starting goaltender. But can they win a single series? Is this not the same organization that had Tomas Vokun backstop them to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2013? I understand. That team in 2013 was much better than this team in 2022. And Thomas Vokun was at one point a full-time NHL starter. Correct. But at the same time, can they not win a single series against a New York Rangers team that this season, much has been said about how they are not good at 5-on-5. Can they not win one series against the Carolina Hurricanes team who potentially might not have their own starting goaltender? I do have questions about the Panthers because they're such a good team. They are playing such good hockey and they are head and shoulders above every other team in the Eastern Conference right now in the standings for a reason. And also, the question that I have with them though, the Penguins can kill Sergei Bobrovsky in the postseason. They've done it before. Do we need to pull up Bobrovsky's playoff numbers again? Exactly. So to say that they don't have a chance is to say that you just have no faith in this team whatsoever, whether the goaltenders are hurt or not. They have a chance to get out of the first round with one of these guys. Do I think they're the favorite? No, I don't think they're the favorite if they have Jari. In any in any of these series, they're not the favorite because of the way they've been playing the last month. Do I think that there's a chance? Yes. Why? Because I don't count out Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Because I don't, specifically, I don't count out Chris Letang and Mike Sullivan. 
That has to be said too. We can't just say Crosby Malkin until the cows come home because Latang is in the same boat. And Mike frickin' Sullivan, I want the Penguins to win out these last five games because I think that would finally get Sullivan a little bit more respect. Oh, he's still going to get jobs he's for not Jack gonna get Adams. It. He's not going to get it. No. But he but, needs more respect because of what he did this season, and this will just add to it, in my opinion. You cannot count those four guys out in the first round to win one series to get their starter back. And like you mentioned, defense tightens up when it's a backup. Defense tightens up in the postseason nonetheless. Now they so, double up. So I think the Penguins, do I give them a chance with Casey DeSmith? I do. I do. No matter who they're playing, I give them a chance. A little tentative with Florida because of how damn good they've been. But I give them a chance, and that's all that they're asking for. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be an interesting ride. You you mentioned you can't count out Crosby and Malkin. The funny thing is how people have been doing that for them as a regular season team for three years now, four years now, five, yeah, six. Before we won Cups, they were counting them out as a regular season team then. They were saying they're too old already. They've lost their luster. They've lost this, that, the other. They've lost a step. Look at Connor McDavid and the things he's doing. You know what Connor McDavid has not done since he joined the league? Won a cup. You know what You know what Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin have done since Connor McDavid has joined this league? Won two cups. Nothing against Connor McDavid, by the way. He's just on a very, very shitty hockey team and needs to somehow get out. Not that they're very, very shitty. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl is also a ton The organization of is bad. But the organization is god-awful around him. So... Keep counting out Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Sullivan. Go right ahead. The league's going to count out Sullivan anyway. Oh, he can't win Jack Adams. He has uh, Malkin and Crosby. No, he didn't. Not all season. No, he didn't. Look at every other injury he suffered this year. Name one person on this lineup that has not been injured this year. I'll wait. Evan Rodriguez. Well, he's fallen the hell off, so we don't talk about that. <laughs> he's a $700,000 player for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. He just hit his career high and said, that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a roster bonus. Cool. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, but you just, through a COVID season, through ah, not having either of your first two centers, your first, sorry, your two Hall of Fame centers, maybe even your third Hall of Fame center mm-hmm. at one point in the season, and you're still picking up wins with Teddy Bluger as your 1C? Mm-hmm. No, get out of here. Give that man the Jack Adams then. That being said, though, um, you can't count these guys out. You yeah. can't. Sidney Crosby, that Nashville game. Sidney Crosby was not letting the Penguins lose that game. No. You think Sidney Crosby will let this team lose in the playoffs again? After after these last after these last three years? Mm-hmm. No, my guy's on a mission. Yeah. It's going to be... I, Crosby's going to absolutely explode this playoffs. There's my hot take. Oh, and we'll talk about the line that he's currently on because I think it's already starting to uh, starting to tick. The bomb is starting to tick on that one. But uh, really quickly, before we head over to that segment and take a quick commercial break to pay the bills, what's left this regular season for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Because there's really not much. Five regular season games remain on the schedule for the Penguins. Of course, their next one being on Thursday at home against the Boston Bruins. Then they will go on their final road trip of the season, a two-game roadie. One at Detroit on Saturday, and then next week they'll take on the Philadelphia Flyers on the road in their final road game of the season. They'll come back home to PPG Paints Arena to take on the Edmonton Oilers and the Columbus (laughs) Blue Jackets. So not an overly difficult final five games for them to kind of tune up 
for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Currently, they sit in third place in the Metropolitan Division. 97 standings points for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right now, the ball is in the court of the Washington Capitals, who are three points behind the Penguins with two games in hand. They will play the Colorado Avalanche later tonight, so a little bit of hope for the Penguins that the Avs will take care of business in that one. They need to stave off the Washington Capitals to stay in that third place and to face either the Hurricanes or the Rangers, because if they don't, it'll probably be a date with the Florida Panthers, a la the Pens poll that will be going out today. Ooh. <laughs> Things could get interesting. It's, mm-hmm. oh, I'm confident. That I, like you said all those team names, and all of a sudden my heart rate went to playoff mode. So ah, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks. Also, just to like ease my stress a little bit, how random is it, and we can move on, that we're playing Edmonton the game, game before the last? Very. What the hell? Yeah, I don't know. McDavid versus Crosby, when neither of them are really caring about the outcome of this game, is a very strange... Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure Edmonton's going to make the playoffs. I'm, it's not really a question anymore. It's really funny that they play us and then go back home to play Vancouver... Oh, San Jose and then Vancouver and back-to-back nights to finish the season. Yeah, the schedule makers kind of screwed them over there. Cross-country no. flight right before the playoffs? Yeah, because they go and then from back Columbus. Yeah, they go from Columbus on Sunday, play us on Tuesday... Get home to play San Jose Friday, on Saturday. Thursday. And Friday. And then Vancouver on Friday. Yeah. Weird. They said, hey, you have Dreisaitl and McDavid. Oh, and Pugliarvi's coming back. Here is a very difficult closing stretch. Yeah, but they're also, if they're if they're done on Saturday or Friday even, then they'll probably have five days off before their first playoff game. Yeah, when, are, when do the playoffs start? May 5th. May 5th? Cool, like that. Yeah. Right after right. May the 4th be with you, May the 5th be the playoffs. There you go. Uh, and the last thing I did want to mention, and I should have brought up the Penguins uh, lineup from Saturday's game, but nonetheless, it's very obvious to see what the lines are going to be when Evgeny Malkin returns on Saturday, in my opinion. I don't think there's any doubt that the way that they've performed, and we'll talk about it in the next segment, that Crosby, Gensel, and Raquel are going to be the Penguins' first line. Yes. We always said we're, we're not sure they're going to break up that top line with Rust. Well, thank God they did, because what we found is an absolute behemoth, a mutant of a line of three people that have one brain, and that is Crosby, Gensel, and Raquel. So that's the first one. I think we've all noticed that. Then, I think we have Zucker, Malkin, and Rust. Right now, Jeff Carter is playing in the middle of those two players. I think that's simply because he wants... Rust and Zucker to play with each other. I think Carter is right now just a placeholder for Malkin. I think he slots in right there. Then you look at right now what the fourth line was on Saturday. It was Boyle, Kapanen, and Rodriguez. I think those two wingers bump up to the third line to join Jeff Carter. And I think they're playing this fourth line in spot of a third line because of how much better it is. You know, Brian Boyle or Teddy Bluger, you want Bluger on the ice more often, which is why they're being deployed as a third line. But I think that's going to eventually be the Penguins' fourth line, which is Bluger, McGinn, and Heinen. And I put out an article, I believe it was two weeks ago, about maybe make Teddy Bluger your third-line center. Maybe that's what you need. You need him with more skilled players. Okay, if he's your fourth-line center and you put him with Danton Heinen, that still gets the job done. He's playing with a more skilled player. So that's what I think the lineup is. And to recap really quickly before I toss it to you for your thoughts, Gensel, Crosby, Raquel, Zucker, Malkin, Rust, Rodriguez, Carter, Kapanen, Heinen, Bluger, McGinn. That should probably end up being 
knock on wood, if all healthy, you know, weird, stupid caveat that we'll never get. If that happens, that should be game one's lineup, in my opinion. That's what I think they're leaning towards. I don't hate it. I always fall back on the idea of keeping Brian Boyle in or out of this lineup. And I look at his playoffs over the years. Brian Boyle's made the playoff ten times, by the way. He's been on good teams. He's been on very good teams. Um, He's never won a cup, though. I look at the numbers in 118 playoff games. He's got 31 points, so he's not the biggest playoff performer. He does He's not one of those players that goes, hey, it's the postseason. All of a sudden, I'm going to arrive and play, like, like Tom Kunockle style. Yeah. Where it's like, it's it, we don't recognize him in the, in the regular season. Once that postseason rolls around, even with the Islanders, holy shit, is he a madman. Yeah. It's not that. But I like Boyle's rough, rougher, tumbler, six-foot-six style of play. Mm-hmm. It... I, it's I'm torn between when it comes to we had this discussion a couple weeks ago, torn between him or Rodriguez as to actually cracking this lineup come playoff time, especially with the just the downs. Is Evan Rodriguez may never score again. He may never score again. He might not. But what I've seen from Rodriguez and what I think he brings to this lineup is, is a little more, more touch. Is well, I wouldn't even say touch, speed, which is yeah, what the Penguins oh, yeah. want on their third line. And I, honestly, if they're not going to put Heinen on the third line. It's gonna be it's gonna be Rodriguez, and if, in my opinion, I don't hate Brian Boyle. I'm not saying that. I would not mind whatsoever if Boyle was in and Rodriguez was without was out. That's just this is what I think that they're leaning to with the way that the lines are being deployed, with Malkin being the only forward missing due to suspension. Right. It's it's gonna be an interesting ride. I think they'll probably ride with Rodriguez just because he's got the ability to maybe turn it around. Who knows? And he's he's been firing it on the net pretty well. And when he's doing that, he has such a good shot that it creates other opportunities. Yeah. And then you also mentioned the speed aspect, which is something the team will need come playoff time. Hey. I don't mind Boyle as a 13th option either. No. It's not the perfect all. spot right now, I think. I, he's <laughs> Tell me, Brian Boyle, coming in on the PTO, we thought nothing of it at first. And we find out Crosby and Malkin are going down. And we said, well, Brian Boyle just found a spot on this team, but it's a second line center position. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's played how many games this season? He's played a lot. This he's season. had to have played over 63. Elbow case 63 still with six, five left. Yeah. He'll probably Can get to si- 68. Oh, ah. wait, no, no. If Malkin comes back and they'd run that lineup. Yeah. But it's something like, okay, maybe he hits like 66. Five. 65, yeah. Which is, which is a lot of time. Them. Yeah, way more than anybody would have thought. I thought maybe he'd get 20 to 30. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, so. I mean, when you look at that lineup, I don't hate that lineup at all. I think it's a it's a lineup that has the potential. I mean, obviously, you're going to struggle without Tristan Jari no matter what. It's going to be a tough sled. But I look at that lineup, I'm like, that's a lineup that honestly could be very dangerous against any team. Yeah. I could think be. we're in for a ton of fun no matter how this lines out um i'm excited to see the playoff at uh, this playoff team mm-hmm. this playoff team god give me something fun well we're gonna take a break when we come back we'll have our pens poll that's pretty fun uh here on the hockey podcast networks tip of the ice hockey fights lifestyle and tales from a first round draft bust we have it all and more on the hockey podcast network your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. Our weekly pens poll, as we have teased throughout the show because we're chomping at the bit to talk about it, is which or who, excuse me, should be Sidney Crosby's line mates in the playoffs. 69, a very nice percent of you, said Gensel and Raquel, which is the current iteration of Sidney Crosby's line. I will talk about that because I believe that that is the line. Gensel and Russ came in second place with 22% of the vote. Zucker and Raquel had 7% of the vote. And Zucker and Rust had 2% of the vote. So above and beyond, people are saying that Gensel and Raquel should be this line. Horwat, who did you vote for and what are your opinions? My, my, my vote was the only answer, and that is Gensel and Raquel. And I think we've already discussed it quite a couple of times. But you know what? Yeah. It bears repeating just because those three are phenomenal players together. Uh, you stick Sidney Crosby with anybody and they're going to be something better. Jake Gensel is just, he's the goal scorer on that line for the most part. I think he's got all of the tools that Crosby needs as a good, as a great winger with him, <clears throat> especially the long, someone along the lines of like a Chris Kunitz who's been there for years now and has developed the phenomenal chemistry that could bump Gensel up to a very good status in this league. Mm-hmm. And you, the addition of Ricard Raquel, I think it's just been a ton of fun. He's, the new guy around but so be it it's this is the perfect lineup right now those three love having those three together hell Raquel can earn three more years on this team sign this man (laughs) figure it out Kapanen's gone sign this man sign that man and give us maybe an extra minor leaguer next year I don't know figure it out yeah I want to give a quick shout out to Jake Gensel and I, I thought this was the case and I had to make sure uh, he is currently having a career best season, 78 points in 71 games. His former career high was 76 points in 82 games played, having a great year. Second highest goals in a season, 37 currently, as high as 40. He, so can, be, he can beat that. He, he could potentially time. beat that, especially with the way that this line has been playing as of late yeah. and, the, and the matchups that they have. Listen, this team scored 11 goals the last time they played Detroit. You think they're not going to score at least a couple on Saturday? Uh, but nonetheless... This line with Gensel, Crosby, Raquel has been so good. That is my vote as well, obviously. I don't think I had to say that, but in just under 50 minutes of of ice time together at five on five, this team has scored, or this team, but this line has scored six goals and has given up zero, which is pretty good to begin with. You know, in in a 50-minute sample size, that's pretty pretty dominant. 70.71 of the expected goals for when they're on the ice. 75% of the scoring chances when they're on the ice and 76% of the high danger scoring chances when they're on the ice. This is dominant from this line. It has only been a week. This line was put together in the Nashville Predators game. It's only been a week, but it has been a very dominant week. And what we've seen is sustainable. The fact that they have great chemistry, the fact that they all think the game on the same plane. I don't think anybody's ever going to be on Crosby's plane, but Gensel is really up there. And Raquel is really up there. And these guys just seem to find each other on the ice. Crosby has amazing puck retention skills. That's been one of the things that everybody always talks about. Ricard Raquel's puck retention has been fantastic. Jake Gensel might actually be the lowest puck retention player on that line. And he is still really good at it. That line is so unbelievably good. 
for the Pittsburgh Penguins that when you look at what it leaves out is the guy in Brian Rust who is one of your most dominant goal scorers on the team. Yeah. And when albeit a little streaky, but albeit a little streaky, but when you look at that second line with this is the first line, that second line becomes Jason Zucker, a player that is at his best when he doesn't have the puck on his stick, who creates chaos without the puck, who forechecks very, very aggressively on a line with Evgeny Malkin, who is at his best when he has the puck and he doesn't have line mates that take the puck from him. And Brian Rust, who is a trigger man. Mm-hmm. So you have the Energizer Bunny and Zucker running around and getting the puck free from other players. You have Malkin who can play with the puck and can dish to a guy like Rust that can score or that Malkin can take the puck by himself and just rip a goal himself. And then Rust is also an underrated assist machine. I think you have that top six. That's profit right there. Step one, Crosby, Crosby, Raquel, Gensel. Step two, Malkin, Rust, Zucker. Step three, chitching. Step three, outscoring people because you have a backup goalie in net in the playoffs. Yes. That's, outscore your that's problems, the formula. For, for round one, outscore your problems, people. Correct. And then get, get Tristan Jari back. Continue to outscore your problems, but have Tristan yes. Jari be amazing. I mean, there you go. Uh, clearly, this is all best-case scenario thoughts. But listen, the best-case scenario for the Pittsburgh Penguins is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. This playoffs are a different animal. The scores are over. Here come the cliches. The records are gone. The yes. seeds are gone. You're oh, just yes. playing the team in front of you for four to seven games. Mm-hmm. You're playing. What's what? What is it? What's the big line about the Stanley Cup? What are they playing for? Something stupid. I forget what it is now. It's all Something. about the cup. Yes. It's, it's hashtag because it's the cup. There it is. That's the one I'm looking for. Because That's it's what it was. Cup, Things change. And you know what? I like this team a lot. Every week I get on this friggin', I get behind this friggin' microphone and all of a sudden regain confidence in this team. They've let me down so often recently mm-hmm. that I come on here and we have our therapy talk and <laughs> all of a sudden I'm confident in this team again. And it just helps that we also keep pumping out bangers of episodes, everybody. Yes. Come on back on Thursday. I've enjoyed today. Yes. Listen, we're not going to lie to you. It's not been great the last couple of weeks. They're 3-6-1, no. and one, which is not good. Listen, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, kid. I've been very mad at this team. I like to think that when you come on here, and I come on here, we talk it out, and we end up with an overwhelming feeling of positivity about the Pittsburgh Penguins because they can win a freaking series with a backup. They've done it before. They've won game one in a series before. They have Evgeny Malkin. They have Sidney Crosby. They have Ricky Rack, Ricard Raquel. They have Jake Gensel. And they have Mike, the boss, Sullivan behind the bench, scowling at those referees for being pathetic because they always are. Yes. And we have the Stanley Cup playoffs in just about two and a half weeks. I'm ready. Horwath's ready. Are you ready, listeners of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast? Because I am jacked up for this team. Five games remain. We'll see how they go. One more game on the Malkin suspension. And then let's freaking go. Now we go. Now we go. Pittsburgh Penguins clinched the Stanley Cup playoffs last Thursday. This is our first episode since we had to give a little bit of an overwhelming thought of positivity. But that's going to do it for this one. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you're ready to run through a brick wall after that last speech that we gave. Now you ring the bell. Now you ring the bell. That's going to do it. We'll see you guys on Thursday to talk about the 3M segment. Must sign, maybe sign, move on. We're going to look towards the NHL offseason because we have a little bit of time to catch our breath. 
for the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a fantastic week, Penguins fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.